This is a Baby Brunch podcast. We're lucky to have our panel with us. Please welcome on stage author, survivor, owner of Pop Up Gym. She's a mom. She can cycle. She can run fast. Her name is Lesejo Zulu. Next to her, the most remarkable woman. Melinda came to support her today because you are so extraordinary, Melissa Swart. You have so much to give. She doesn't hide her children from social media because she says, these are my highest achievements. These are my blessings. These, this is what God gave me. She's here today and she has the most amazing following online as part of 123 Parenting, Living and Loving. We should all follow her series about honest parenting. She's also in heels for the first time today after many years. <laughs> and she's wearing Fed Health Blue. Isn't that amazing? We planned it. Okay, we didn't. Melissa Swart, your daughter. You like to be sooner. We all say we want support for our fathers. Arnie, I know that you do this very well. Arnie makes no secret of it that he is in his third marriage and happy. Lily, you're very lucky. Arnie is not our speaker for today. I'm acknowledging him because he's a dad. And he's wonderful. But the person that we are calling to our panel this morning... He's a superstar, and I tell you, Zane, why you mean so much to me. You know what? As a little girl, when you are colored or black, your only heroes are people in the church or those that you are, can see on TV and those that you can see in your community. And as a young girl, I watched you. And then later on in my career, do you know that I noticed your wife before I even noticed you? Because she is phenomenal, and she's a businesswoman, and she's a mom. And I'll never forget when she was pregnant with the twins, I said, two babies. And I think I said something inappropriate like, but how old are you if you can carry twins? I think I said that because you have other children. And we want to acknowledge you today and the work that you do other than being an actor and on TV and on Seven Alarm. He's on Seven Alarm! <laughs> and in movies because he's got the Fatherhood Foundation. And in 2008, they started that to support dads like you. And like our fathers. And we want to thank you for being here. He's leaving on a plane in the next two hours to Israel. Shalom Aleichem. Mashlomach. Yes, Toda. I live there. I'm going to come back with you guys. Please put your hands together for Zayn Mias. In our communities, it's apparently a shame to talk about mental health. Apparently, it's a shame to talk about being divorced. Apparently, it's a shame to say that you're struggling. Apparently, if you get fired in your community, people won't invite you back because you don't have a job. In our communities, if you're Muslim, you have to be on the straight path because that's all we remember from people who are religious, right? Because they eat different food and they wear a scarf. So surely it must go better with you than it does with me. Well, we have a mom here that's courageous. She's a single mom. She's done it by herself. 
She mentors people with her last bit of strength that she has left, even though she's got a family to raise. More so, she gives her time to the parent center where they help other people. And when I mentioned earlier that our children grow up, what I meant was that sometimes we have to teach them about drugs and alcohol and how to stay away from it and that people will encourage you and others will hurt you. And they are the support to all of those families. And we want to thank you for your time and for being here today. Please put your hands together for Shahana Mia. You have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper. Diobalt is sitting there, and even though he's on stages for Afrikaans as and much bigger shows than this, he's going, please don't call me, please don't call me, please don't call me up, please. Diobalt, I'm going to call you up. I always say if I wasn't married to Ian, I would be married to Diobalt. Because they look exactly the same. I mean, yesterday, no, I'm kidding. This guy is a superstar. He's going to share his talent with us later. He's got bronchitis and he decided to show up because he wants to be a motivation to all of us. He's charting on Jacaranda FM. Do you know what that means to a sole proprietor and musician? It means that you have to put in all your work and sometimes you have to ignore fatherhood because you've got a business to run and a family to feed. And even though he's going to sing later with his guitar plugged in with Krappi and the team at the back, we acknowledge you. Hello, Yella, Michael the lights. Hanru, hello. We want to say you are awesome too. Because if we don't tell him, who's going to tell him, right? Say, Diavalt, you're awesome. Diavalt, you're so awesome. Okay, so just want to let you know that. Please put your hands together for our amazing come stand here so that we can take pictures of you. Step forward. Here they are. Let's give them a round of applause. Anywhere there's one. There they are. Do they look like their pictures? They do, right? I've given our panelists a list of questions, and later on I want us to build on that and to ask questions. And if you don't, I will. Zain is over there. Shahana. Lasejo. I can't believe you're here. Melissa Swart. You're doing. And then Diavalt right behind me. We're going to ask them to answer the questions that I've sent them. And Zain, if you don't have the questions, I will ask it to you. Do you have the questions? I can ask them again. Okay. The questions I asked them were as follows. So the questions were who you are, and then what do you remember when you first became a mom, dad, or step-parent? And then what did you do while you were pregnant? What are you doing now? How has my life changed since becoming a parent? Um, what are you grateful for um, in the mornings when you get up? And what is the one thing that scares you? And what do you feel makes you courageous? That's a lot of questions. And then you said we must be short. I know. That's what you said. Zayn, I think you should just talk. We're just happy to see you. Talk about <laughs> you your foundation and <laughs> what you I know and what you do. Just just okay, my name is Zayn Mears. I always say this. I say my, my, my career is acting, but a calling on my life is to do um, what I do in my NGO, which is the Fatherhood Foundation. So I go around the whole country and I speak to men about the importance of fatherhood 
and about manhood, because you can't talk about fatherhood unless you talk about manhood. And I think South African men at the moment are confused about what kind of man they must be. Um, so so I, I've been doing that for 13 years. Uh, my, my wife is here, Megan. I, and I don't say she's my better half. I call her my better three-quarter. <laughs> because we men will just acknowledge we, we are nothing without our wives. We're useless. We don't even know where our socks are. Liffy Vazi Kosa in the morning. We don't even know where that is. So she's here. Uh, my lovely wife, Megan. We have five children. Um, in Ilana, we have five. My, my eldest daughter is also an actress, which broke my heart. But she's also an actress. Uh, I have a, she's 26. Then we have a, a son of 22, Connor. Then we have a Lat Lamiki. And that's when you, she was pregnant with the Lat Lamiki that you saw. And he's 12 years younger than his brother. In fact, when Megan said to me, babe, I'm pregnant, I said, I was in such a shock. I said to her, are you sure it's yours? I was, you know, because 12 years after we thought we were done, she told me she was pregnant. In fact, when the baby was born, I was still in shock. I didn't say it's a boy or girl. I said, I said, come off, Papa. You know, it's like. And then we had the good fortune to meet our twins, Liam and Leah, who are six now. Um, and we don't often say that they were adopted, but we adopted them um, because they are our children. You know, adopted kids, you somehow have a, a deeper love for them. Um, and so they six years old, Liam and Leah, a boy and a girl. And we got them when they were eight months old. I met them when they were four months old, but the process to get them out of the Cape into Johannesburg took, took a fairly short time, really. Um, we took them into foster care first. And, um, and my wife has such a big heart that the first time she met them, because I used to travel down to Cape Town a lot, and I take videos and pictures of them and so on, the first time she met them was the day that we went to pick them up and bring them home. She'd never even met them. She'd never see, she, well, she'd seen the videos and the pictures. But she hadn't actually met them. And the first thing she had to do, of course, was change nappies. <laughs> so so I, I have a very special wife in that regard. So we have a big family that we're very proud of. And we, we, you, know, we don't, you don't see me a lot on newspapers and magazines because I believe our private life is our private life and we'd like to keep it that way. You can talk about my acting and why I died on Seven Alarm twice and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't mind. And I've, I've written a book uh, called Daddy Come Home. I, only, I brought one or two copies, but I'd like to bless a, a, one of the dads here. And the reason why the book is called Daddy Come Home, and I'm keeping this short, is because I believe that the home is the place of one's greatest influence. Mm. Not in society, or at work, or at church, or mosque, or shul, or wherever. I believe the home is the place of your greatest influence. And if you can be a great leader there, you can be a great leader anywhere. Um, if you can be a great father at home, you'll be able to be... Great, anyway, that's, that's basically it. People say to me, what, what, what keeps you grounded as an actor? Because you know, sometimes as actors, Ilana, you will know of celebrities, they call us. We can get very big-headed and we can take our fame as if it actually means something. It means very little, um, which is why I'm so surprised that people are on social media and because they have so many thousand followers, they think they've made it. But the people always say to me, what keeps you grounded? And the thing that keeps me grounded literally is my family. I don't have time to be famous at home. You can recognize me in a shopping mall, I'll take pictures with you, but when I get home, someone's nose needs to be wiped, or dad, I need help with maths, or, or I've got to go to a soccer practice, or, or something, you know? So my children and my family, and my, uh, they keep me grounded, and for me, uh, they keep me real. There's no time for me to be, oh, I can't help with maths now, son, I just signed 15 autographs today. <laughs> my child doesn't understand that. My child doesn't understand why in the shopping mall women are hitting me with bags either, but that's another thing. Um, 
But there's no time for that kind of fame thing because my family, that's the realest thing in my life is my children and my family. And I'm an advocate not just for fatherhood, but for so many other things. I believe in life and I believe in the sanctity of life and, and the beautiful stuff that was shared here today um, um, and so on. So, so I'm an advocate for lots of, lots of other causes other than just fatherhood. But I do believe that it starts with the father. I do believe, men, that when we start taking our place, things in society will change. We've forgotten. We've forgotten our role. And women are doing too much. Women must now play mommy and daddy. There are women sitting here, single mothers, who made a, they didn't make a baby by themselves, but they're going to have to raise children by themselves. And that's not a choice that they made either. So until men step up again, because they've now abdicated their roles, women must now play mommy and daddy, women must now do everything, men have just stepped back, they just disappeared. And, and, and that, I don't know where they've disappeared to, well, we, we do know where, but they're just not at home. Two-thirds of our homes are single-parent homes in South Africa. Two-thirds. That means more children are now growing up without a father than children who are. And I'm sure the beautiful ladies who did the presentations would tell you, I, I have written in my book about the development of the child in the womb, that the sound of the father's voice, I know music is important, but the sound of the father's voice, the frequency, sorry, the frequency of the father's voice helps certain parts of the brain to develop while the child is still in the womb. So your, your role as father doesn't just begin when the child is born, but while the child is still in the womb. And we discovered that when, when, when my wife was pregnant with our lot, Lamiki. So, so men, you are far more important than what you give yourself credit for. As a parent, as a father in the home, as a man in society. And our job, my job, is to make you to remember that, is allow you to remember that, and to allow you to step into your manhood. So I think I'm going to sit down now. If you have questions, you may ask, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Saying, I love what you said about when you're home, you are the parent. Then there's no time for fame and game. Then you leave your title by the door, in the car, on the highway. Shahana and I have had long chats. The last time we spoke, I was in the Northern Cape in Da'ar, running after my children, and I loved your story. Please, please share it with us. Good morning, everybody. I'm very excited to be here. I'm actually from Cape Town, so I flew in on Wednesday to spend a few days with my mom, who has joined me here today, and uh, um, I fly back home tomorrow. So I grew up in Johannesburg. I'm trained as a social worker, moved to Cape Town 23 years ago. Um, I've been living my adult life there ever since. I have three children. My son is 14, and my girls are 19 and 21. Um, so I have three, um, one teenager and two adult children who have taught me a lot in life and have really just helped me grow as a person as well. When I became a mother, I was 25, and I realized that every woman's a daughter, but some of us become mothers. And the umbilical cord connection was really amazing, and it just connected me more to my mom. But the difference was I was in Cape Town, away from all our immediate support structures, both my husband and I are from Johannesburg. But we had to learn to manage and do what we needed to do. So out of the norm, babysitters became very comfortable for us. It was not a cultural thing, but um, we had to work with that. And uh, um, I had dedicated my life to be with my children. My mum was always a full-time mum to us. Um, and that's what I decided to do. 
you look at this young being that you've brought into life and you realize, I want to connect. I want to bring warmth to that body and I want that body to bring warmth to me. So I was extremely happy not to practice in my profession. We did own a guest house, so when I was pregnant, serving breakfast and morning sickness did not go together. So we sold the guest house and um, we ran a network marketing company because the idea was for us to both be available to our children as available parents to them. And we were, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that we had. 18 years later, I realized that I was not actually fulfilling myself and living as my authentic true self. I was not connecting to my creative the way I wanted to. I had forgotten that I had an opinion. I'd forgotten that I had a voice. So I had asked to be released from the marriage. And I'm very grateful for the, for the blessing in the way it was done. It's five years now, and um, we divorced extremely amicably. And for that reason, we chose to co-parent. So I have my children with me for one week, and then they go to the dad for the other week. So for a full seven days, I'm alone. I'm alone in a home. <laughs> and how did I cope? The day that they all left, because we weaned them out slowly to dad, the day that they all left to sleep at him, I had made sure I had an appointment with a friend that very evening. So as soon as he drove out with them, I drove out as well. But if I had stayed home, I probably would have been there for a long time. And I needed to step up and step out. I needed to step out and be tall and rediscover myself. So being a mother, being a full-time mom for 18 odd years, and now suddenly being a single mom in Cape Town without my immediate family with me was not easy. But I had my connection to my creator, and I just needed to, to become a different person, and I needed to realize that uh, um, challenges and trauma are all part of our contract with life. It's not so easy. But it's how you step out of it, how you manage it, how you manage your emotions. So that's when I got into my, my field of social work. And I was actually just really cradled by the parent center who has um, brought me here to Johannesburg to share with you the, the work that we do. As a social worker, I just needed to refresh some courses. And I got in and I'm in uh, the parent center as a counselor and as a trainer. And this organization is amazing because what we do, we've been established for 36 years. We've impacted over 235 parents, over 19, uh, 235,000 parents, over 19,000 professionals and caregivers, and almost 650,000 children through 36 years in terms of sharing and helping parents and caregivers to be able to bring up and raise resilient, well-balanced children. So we impact people in all sorts of communities. Yes, we are based mainly in Cape Town, but we are very welcome if people ask us and invite us to other provinces. We do lots of talks, we do training as well. Um, part of the counseling team, what I do is offer, offer parenting support one-on-one -on -one to engage parents, to allow them to realize that there is a way out. If you're struggling, just take a step back. That's all you do. Connect with someone. Realign to your creator. And then realize that there is someone's hand that will hold you. So as a, as a single mom starting out working for the first time ever in my life, um, I was held by the parent center. And I realized that I actually stand up not as a wounded woman, but as a healed woman. 
and that has given me strength. And now for the last two years, I've actually established my own private practice where I combine my social work, I'm a life coach, I do trauma release exercises, um, energy healing as well, and I, I work a lot on the mind balance, mind-body-soul balance to allow people to realize that your body impacts as much as your emotional being and your mental state is important. And if you as a parent do not thrive and grow, your children aren't going to thrive and grow. I learned that from my mom. My mom's been involved in this kind of work for a very long time, um, not on a, um, a large scale, but she has just taught us that. And it's not what you say to your children, but it's what you do, yeah. that your children just pick up. So through that, I needed to show my girls that it's okay. It's okay. I'm single. I've never earned a cent in my life. I don't know what to do with the money. I don't know where to put it. I don't know how to buy things, but I'm going to learn. And five years later, I am now um, comfortable to share my story with people, to allow them to see that process. But the Parent Center has helped me that way. The other thing that we do is we run um, workshops. Our, our PACES team, which is the Parent um, Education Community Support Team, we do fatherhood programs. We have some gentlemen doing fatherhood programs. We run positive parenting uh, workshops, train the trainer workshops. Um, we would go out and do talks, um, TV, radio, because our idea is to expand our reach. We get a lot of referrals from the court where parents are struggling and need some, some parenting skills, um, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, schools where children are struggling and we look at behavioral factors and allow the parent a time and space to learn simple, simple tools to be able to grow and help their child that way. We also have a teen parenting program where we um, work with teenagers who have the dual role of being parents and teenagers. And that's really, really big in some of our communities. So we go out and, and offer support to these young parents and allow them to complete school if they've left or just continue while being a mum. Our parent-infant program works with um, parents from pre-birth, during birth and after birth. And we do home visits and we, we um, um, impact in terms of support that way. So the Parent Center itself, I would encourage you to please just Google us, um, Facebook, Instagram, our website. Check out what we do and um, engage with us in that way. Because we do offer online support as well. And I know from my side, like I say, it's healed me in many, many ways. So I, I wake up each morning feeling extremely grateful, yes. grateful for my life, grateful for my breath. Did you know if you take one breath, a deep breath, in and out, you only take three breaths in 15 seconds. 15 seconds of every hour is all you need to be able to step back and just realize, okay, get my, myself aligned and I can move on from there. I feel courageous because I know I can stand up with my children right now and I can show them that it's okay to fall. You don't, I'm not a perfect parent. We don't strive to be perfect parents, but we strive to be good enough parents. And if my daughters and my son can see that I make mistakes and I've said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. What is it that you need from me? I don't know how, help me. That is a very, very valuable life skill that I know they, they're learning because they can step out into the world as adults and be able to do that as well and not feel guilty because they're not perfect, but they're just good enough and they're striving to be that way. So those are the kind of lessons I've learned from the Parent Center. Often when I teach a parenting course, my kids challenge me <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is God saying to me? But it's actually just, just testing my skills because it's not theory. 
most of us that work at the parent center are parents because we can relate to, to the parents that come by. And that helps us be humble and keep that gratitude to know that the next person is struggling. The next person is actually just wondering and not knowing where is the door that's going to help me. And we need to reach our hand and allow them the process to say, it's okay, I've been there. I know what you're going through. And let's, let's step together. Let's take it one step at a time. If parents have lost their children, we work with that too. So it's an overall body that encompasses the parent-child relationship. And that has helped me grow and develop. And it's very, very exciting to be here today and to share because I have my mom with me who I have been, like I say, away from town for a long time and come now and again. But now as a single mom, I think I grab more. I grab more from her because I need to look at it differently. She's still with my dad. It wasn't very easy for them to understand what it's like for me as a divorced woman. When my kids leave, my mom cries often, but she could, it still touch her, touches her heart. That umbilical cord connection is, is always there. And I think it's something that we need to realize. But even if you have children who, who you've embraced into your home, there's still a connection. But it's two hearts, two heartbeats, and it can become one. And through this process of allowing you to be able to grow and nurture, it's almost like a plant, that's a seed that's been planted in the deep, deep, dark soil, and it's alone. It needs the sunshine, the warmth of the sunshine. It needs the coolness of the raindrops. And it needs time. And through that process, beautiful, vibrant flowers do emerge eventually. And I know... I'm a flower that's emerged. But I was in that soil for very long. And sometimes it was very dry. But it's remembering and not giving up and having faith that somebody held my hand, whether it was a prayer, whether it was a hug, whether it was a word. And that has helped me to emerge through the cracks and come through and stand up tall today. And the name of my practice is Tangent. If life throws you a curveball, what are you going to do? Are you going to just hide behind something? Or are you going to grab it and decide, okay, I'm taking this. This is strange and new. That's a curveball. I've got off, off on a tangent. How am I going to bring myself back or take myself on another path that's going to help me thrive and grow from there? So that's a little bit of my story. I want to thank you for listening to me. I am glad I didn't hear. But my heart has been fluttering because it's something that's real and it's something that's really valuable to me. And the one thing that I just want, would like to leave you with is that, you know, life's okay, however it is for you right now. It's the best that it can be for you. And you are in the right place at the right time for a particular reason that you may not even know right now. But God has a better plan. So just embrace that. Acknowledge the feelings that you're going through right now and allow yourself to go through the process because through that you will stand up, you will stand tall, and you will shine brightly. Thank you very much. Shahana, you, 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 you shine. You just shine. Our next speaker, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, is Lesejo Zulu. Lesejo is a businesswoman. She's the owner of Pop-Up Gym. She did it before all the corporates did it. 
So if, your, if pop-up gym comes to your work and it's not Lesejo, you should ask them why did they copy the idea, okay? Because <laughs> she had it first. Lesejo, I've never told you this. Lesejo was also married to Gugu Zulu, who was a professional racing driver. And the reason we say was is because Gugu passed on when they, on a mission to save the world, climbed Kilimanjaro. Imagine going up a mountain with your husband and coming down with him, but alone. Gugu and I were chatting, and he said, I think I found the one. And he married you. And I can say that I was part of that conversation. And as inappropriate as it is right now, I'm just going to say it. The Seho is a strong businesswoman, and even though Google has passed on, she is here. And in front of all these people here, I wish you a life that you want to lead, in however you want to do that, in however you want to mourn, in however you want to move on, in however you want to celebrate love eventually, in however you want to raise your child. And may no one subscribe as to how you need to live your life because you're a young woman that has lost a husband. Amen, I wish you love, man. <laughs> may he be rich. <laughs> I just want so much for you. Don't you love a dress? <laughs> Thank you. Lesejo Zulu, over to you. <laughs> good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, is it, oh no, good afternoon. I'm sure it's after midday. No, it's now, not. No? It's morning. It is, is it, it afternoon? Is. It is. Good afternoon. We're going to eat shortly. Yes. Okay? Um, the food's coming. <laughs> My name is Litsukho Zulu. Uh, I'm a mom, first and foremost. I always introduce myself that way because motherhood for me has been the greatest gift that Gugu left me with. Um, so Gugs passed away three weeks after our daughter's first birthday, and she's just turned four um, in uh, June. Yeah, June 22nd, she just turned four, and... Wow, it has been quite the ride, I must say. Um, you know, when he passed away, I thought to myself, good heavens, you know, overnight you go, um, you know, you, you become a single parent, number one. You go from a two-income household to a single-income household. So you can just imagine the stress. But the, the decision that I made from the get-go um, was that I am not going to allow any more stress into my life. It was stress enough or stressful enough to lose him, to lose the love of my life. We met when I was 16 and we were together for almost 16 years. So it was essentially half my life. And, um, you know, as, I'm, as I was sitting there at the table, I, I thought of some of the moments, one of, some of the crazy moments um, I, I had with Lele too. Um, after Gugu passed away and uh, I, one that I want to share with you was so when he passed away obviously she had just turned one and it was three weeks after but come that January after because he passed away on Nelson Mandela Day on, on the 18th of July come the January um, after he passed away I threw her into preschool I was like I can't do this I need help and I'm accepting that I need help so I threw her into into preschool and um, now my daughter is a little feisty, little Zulu girl, and she's strong, physically, that is. And, and I'm tiny, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very small. And um, I remember, that, you know, that there were times when she just didn't want to be touched in the morning. Don't touch my face, don't change me, do not touch me at all. 
the only thing you can do is pick me up and put me in the car seat and take me to school. So it was a constant struggle. It was a physical fight. And it introduced more stress into my life. And I said, I don't want this in my life. Um, so then I started taking her to school in her PJs with a bag of, you know, a change of clothes. And I did that, I'm sure, three, four times. And then I started noticing these stares from parents because we get judged all the time. And I thought, oh, shucks, okay, now, you know, these parents think um, I'm an, in, an incompetent mom. So then I sat, as I always do. When, when I'm faced with stress, I sit, I remove myself from that stress, I look at it, I assess it, and I come up with a plan. That's just how I've always been. It's like when Googs passed away, I literally stepped away. This is a situation, how am I going to deal with it? And then I put the plan into place. I know it sounds weird, but I sat and I was like, okay, at what time of the day does my child not mind being touched? I said, okay, in the evening, she's happy to take a bath and she's happy to get into her PJs. And I thought, boom, there it is. I'm going to put her in her school clothes <laughs> at night after bath time. And in the morning, I look, in, I look like an amazing parent when I drop her off, dressed and ready for school. I don't need to touch her. I don't need to do anything. She can go to school with her spit down her mouth, but at least she's dressed and she looks proper like the other kids. So it's situations like that where, you know, it was stressful, but I just said, you know what? It was enough. You know, what I went through was enough coming down that mountain. I've written all about it in my new book. So I've written a book called I Choose to Live, Life After Losing Gugu. And the reason why I wrote this book, it took me two years to write it. I didn't want stress. I didn't want publishers on my back. So I wrote it very quietly by myself. And only in January, actually, I think it was February this year, I called Melinda Ferguson and I said, I've got a book. It's 90% done. What do I need to do? So this is the book that I wrote. Um, and in this book, I pretty much share the journey of losing him, what happened on Kilimanjaro, a story that I chose not to tell to the media because I wanted to deal with it in my own time. We all know how the media can be. Sorry to the media people that are here, but they jump on you like a rash when you are absolutely heartbroken, you're shattered, but they want to get the story out to the public. So I kept mum about it. Um, there, there's a lot that happened. There's a lot that didn't happen that ultimately led to us unfortunately losing Gugu, but it was his time and it was his journey. Um, but most importantly, I share the life lessons that have me standing here and being able to speak to you and share a little bit of my journey with a smile on my face and accepting Ilana. Where are you, Ilana? Ilana Africa's, uh, uh, you know, all your best wishes about life going forward with a smile on my face because we only have but one life to live. We only have but this moment. None of us know what is going to happen at 5 or 6 p.m. this evening. We can only wish that we will be around, but what this particular journey has taught me that we must make the best of every moment, every, be present in our lives, be present with the people around us, be present here at Idlewild, because tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. So I'm one of those people that just makes the best of life. I throw myself into all sorts of challenges. Yes, I've been cycling for the past three days, but I said, hey, I need to take that spandex off 
come fly back to Joburg, got home at 1 a.m. this morning, wake up at 5, do my makeup, look gorgeous for Ilana Africa's um, parent and baby brunch. So life is full of challenges, yes, but it's about how you choose to get up, dust yourself off and try again because we only have but one life. We live every day. People say you, oh, you live once. No, you live every day. You only die once. And um, yeah, with that, I am, yes, I'm a mom by profession. I'm, I studied sports science and I'm a biokineticist. But I closed my practice when I was halfway through my pregnancy because I felt, you know, reaching one person every hour. By the end of the day, I've only seen eight or nine patients. I am not doing enough. I want to go out there and help people. I then came up with the concept of pop-up gym because unlike me who's able to get up every day and think, okay, what am I doing? Am I going for a run, a cycle? Am I going to the gym? Am I going for a hike? It's easy for me, but it's not easy for many people that are stuck to their couches, right? And I'm not saying that with any judgment whatsoever. So pop-up gym is literally about showing you that you can train anywhere, anytime. In actual fact, I could easily like turn this into an exercise session if you wanted me to. <laughs> no, I won't do that today. I won't do that today. We've got pregnant moms. Um, so that's, that's what pop-up gym does. And we go into the corporates. There are a lot of people that will work from sunrise to sunset and they say, I don't have time to train. And we literally come and we turn your boardroom, the grass patch outside, the parking lot into a workout space. You don't need much equipment, your own body. I weigh 55 kgs. That's 55 kgs of weight, that is the best weight you can carry. So we basically utilize your own body in various ways and we show you that there's so much variety out there. And um, I've been running pop-up gym, it was four now, so I've been running pop-up gym for the past four years. And literally this coming Monday, I will be the MD of um, um, an outdoor media company. So there we go. There's another challenge, you know, because I'm out here living life and I, you know, I'm a motivational speaker. I try, I go out there, I share my story and I try and inspire other people to live life to the full. So yes, I wake up every morning and I'm grateful for life. I wake up every morning and I press the reset button because what happened yesterday, the pain and the drama from yesterday is left there. And every single day for me, I press the reset button and I, oof, I press the reset button and I give that new day a go. So I'm grateful to be here today. I'm grateful to share this day with all of you. Um, you all look amazing. All the pregnant moms, I wish you all the best. I was that mom that literally exercised until the a couple of hours before I gave birth. <laughs> I went for a five-kilometer walk the day before as part of my induction because I was 40 weeks and two days. So I was overcooked. So I was one of those moms that, you know, of course the 5K walk took me like two hours to do. But um, yeah, all the best to all the pregnant moms. Uh, may it be a successful pregnancy and may you give birth to healthy, healthy, healthy babies. Thank you. Seho, man, you are something else. Laseko and I were pregnant at the same time and I walked around like this. And then she said, Alana, I'm pregnant too. And I said, how far are you? And she said, 24 months. But she was like this. 24 weeks. 24 weeks. She had muscle like this. Like you, you still had a six pack when you, when you were 20. No, I'm not even kidding. This is the truth. She had a six pack when she was halfway. Like, how amazing. The one word has just come up for me, and I want to quickly correct it. There's a word that's coming to mind that says exposed. And I want to say that there's a difference between exposing and sharing. 
And the difference is that we learn from each other and we keep it in a safe place, right? And the other one is that, uh, something that I only experienced recently, is that when you expose someone, then you talk about them and make them feel like they're not worthy. So we're not in that business. <laughs> uh -uh. We're not in that business. We're in the business of support and we're in the business of love because you need love too, mommy and daddy. Okay. You can add on. Sorry, one Listen, thing I wanted to say to moms and dads, be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And the other thing as well is, so I was one of those moms that was like over-involved in everything, pre-pregnancy, sign up for everything, read up on everything until the day I gave birth. And I think it was my physio that came and no, no, it was the, um, the pediatrician. She said to me, Dr. Google is not always the best, so try not to, you know, Dr. Google, it's a bit sketchy sometimes. Trust your own gut, because also your child doesn't know any better. They're new to this world. So if you decide to flip them this way to do whatever, that's, that's what they know. That's mom's technique. So be kind to yourself. Um, follow your own gut. Create your own path. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. We love what you say. Flourish is here. Now, they're not an official partner. I, I met them this morning, and I want to say this. Next to you, there's goodie bags that belongs to someone else because they bought a ticket and they didn't come. And I want to donate those goodie bags to Flourish. So I'm going to ask our mommies that we've packed all of them ourselves, myself and Ash and Hanru and Ashley's sister. Thank you, Ashley. And we want to donate it to them because they are helping moms and they've got a baby shower graduation program that they're running at the moment. So we want to make sure those bags get to you. So I'm giving her permission that when we have our break later on, uh, if you see, just raise your hand. Here we go. We're going to make sure that it gets to her car and in her boot and that we stack her car full because you know what? Each and every one of us got an amazing goodie bag and we want to support moms who couldn't afford to be here today. So we're going to give them to you, okay? Audrey and Dito Riso. Melissa, I can't glue you in. Melna Bam is he so amazing support. Melissa, I clicked on her video and I was like, I need to know more about this mom. We recently did a podcast with you that is going to go out in the month of October. The reason I've kept it is because you're such a gem, and I want to make sure that people see you here first before we release everything that you have to say. It's time to share what you're about. My name is Melissa Swart, and I am a mom of two beautiful kids, one boy, one girl. I've got my pigeon pair. Neither of them were planned, but I was blessed with them. I only found out with both of them about 10 weeks in, 12 weeks in, that I was pregnant. Um, so it was an exciting journey. And before I was... Mommy, I was a musical theater performer and I was on stage singing and dancing and doing my thing. That was what I did, that's what I loved. And then came my daughter and I realized I would not be able to continue the hours that I do um, and be a mom. So I decided to quit my job and stop doing what I at that point thought was my whole world and I became a stay-at-home mom. And I loved every second of it, but it was probably one of the most difficult times in my entire life. Because up until that point, I defined myself as a musical theater, singer, dancer, actress. That's who I was. And then when I didn't do that anymore, and I became a mom, I had no clue who I was. 
and I defined myself for so long by what I did instead of who I am and who I was that becoming a mom gave me the opportunity to discover more about myself. And I always say that there was parts of me that were buried deep, deep, deep down, and they would never have been excavated had it not been for my little girl and my boy. They were hidden to me, and they would have stayed hidden my entire life. And Xavier and Zeresh, they unearthed those parts of me and um, made me realize who I am and what I stand for and what I enjoy, which up until that point, I defined myself. I defined myself by my job. And then... Um, I couldn't sit still at home, so I started two businesses. The one was Baby Bam Boutique, and I made baby headbands and clothing. I handmade every single one of them and hand screen printed every single one of them. And then by the time baby number two came, I was like, mm, this is not sustainable at all. So I, instead of passing that on, I decided to close up shop, and I only... Um, made gifts for friends here and there, but I still couldn't sit still, and so I started Glam Bam, which is a beauty boot camp business. I do um, sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions, group sessions, where I teach you how to do your makeup and your hair that suits you, day to evening transitions and all of those types of things, and that business um, started booming and, it, uh, and stayed open throughout both my pregnancies and both kids growing up and going in, into school. And since the kids have been at school, I had the opportunity to start doing what I love again, and I've been going to auditions, and not only that, but I started realizing that I have... Um, a ministry or a calling or a purpose that I feel was instilled by the things that I've been through in my life. I didn't have a very glamorous upbringing. Um, I, my father committed suicide when I was younger. I tried to commit suicide when I was 16. I was diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder when I was a little bit older. I had very bad PND after my daughter's birth. So I've been through many, many things in my life. And what those things made me realize is that there's more to this world than just staying silent about your journey and being too scared to say anything because of what people might say. And so I've developed this urgency to get onto a stage, and not only on a stage, with anyone I come in contact with, to share that there is, there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and there is a journey that we need to walk, and it's our burdens to sometimes carry, but they make us stronger. And I've realized that, um, I told Ilana as well, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not bipolar, I have bipolar disorder, what I've been through and whatever diagnosis I've been given does not define me. It's simply something that I walk the road with and that I can use to grow and to inspire and to encourage or I can let it become a death sentence and keep me from doing the things that God has put me on this earth to do. And so I do motivational speaking as well. And um, what makes me courageous? I love that question. And I was like, this is such a difficult one to answer because I don't feel my kids make me courageous or my husband makes me courageous or anything makes me courageous because that's so much pressure to put on someone to expect them to make you courageous. I feel that the, the road I've walked and the things that I've been through, been through has turned me into a courageous woman. And that is why I don't 
think anything makes me courageous, but I, I am courageous, and I'm proud to say that. And if I have one thing that I can leave with parents is make mistakes. Make as many of them as you need to. Your children won't break. They won't hate you. They'll honor you and respect you for making the mistakes, admitting you're sorry, learning from them, and then encouraging them that it's okay to make mistakes. So don't crucify yourself for everything that you should have done and didn't do. Don't crucify yourself for everything you should have been but aren't yet. Just breathe, make the mistakes, learn from them, and be okay with that. Melissa, you're doing. It's awesome. You are. There's so many nuggets. Can you can you absorb everything that they're saying? How amazing, right? Oh, this is funny. This is fun. Devolt, Chirach. I will keep this very brief. Uh, firstly, because I'm absolutely terrified of public speaking, and secondly, because I learned English especially for this event. One of the main things being a dad has taught me is humility. I think the same as what Zayn said is leave the house on the way to a show thinking you're a superstar. And then you get on stage and you realize you've got some sort of mixture of purity and poo on your shirt. And that keeps you humble. And being, being a touring musician, it comes with the side effect of not always being able to be at home and be present. And uh, what that's taught me is Make every second count. So when you are at home, switch off the phone, switch off the TV, and be there for your child. It's taught me that there are more important things than making money. Children don't need money. They need love, they need attention, and they need positive reinforcement, and they need you to be there. They need someone to be their hero. The last thing I'm going to say is... Uh, and I don't know if it's, if it's said enough, being a parent is utterly terrifying. And I, I used to think I was alone in this, and I was sort of the first one of my musician friends that became a parent. And then seeing them go through exactly the same stuff I was going through made me realize you're not alone. It's okay to sometimes just put up your hand and say, I'm struggling. I haven't slept in 400 years. I've no more clean clothes. Please help me. And I think today is a good example that you're never alone. There's always someone there for you. And don't be shy and don't be afraid to put up your hand and say, I need some help. Thank you. Honest conversations by our panel and how beautiful. And thank you for sharing. Again, thank you for sharing. Now, a lot of the times we share on our podcast platform, which is babybrunch.co.za, where you can find stories from ordinary people who do extraordinary things. You, because <laughs> you're extraordinary. And I'm just so excited and thankful that you've all shared huh, different walks of life. Did you see? We're all so different. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. My daughter came home the other day, Zane, and she said to me, Mommy, I'm gray. You what? Hmm? I'm gray. And it took me two days to figure out that gray means gray, the color. And that someone had explained to her, to me, you've met her, that when you mix white and black, you get gray. <laughs> and right there, I understood 
And this is something for us as moms who are pregnant or all of us that have small children. You know, there's this big word out there and sentence that says we need to find out who we are. What is your purpose? We don't know, okay? And some of us do. But here's what I can tell you. If you're sure about one thing in your life, just one, who you are, why you've created fatherhood and what you stand for, what you're going to do this afternoon, what you're going to do with your life and your business, that reset button. I love the reset button. I want to reset. Melissa and her business and the fact that she goes, diagnose me, it's okay, but I'm not that. The only reason she knows that is because she is sure she is not. I had to explain to my daughter who she is, otherwise other people will tell her who she is. And now when I ask her, she says, Mommy, in my class, there's other children like me. I said, like who? What are they like? And she goes, they are mixed. I go, why are they mixed? Because their daddy is peach and their mommy is black. (laughs) Carrying her little black baby on her back the other day, I said to her, oh, we were taking a flight. I said to her, look at your little black baby. She said, it's not my baby. I said, whose baby is it? She said, it's yours, it's black. (laughs) Because she is sure of who she is. And you know what? If you're not reminded that you can be a good father and someone comes past and wants to speak all those other bad words over you and you're calling for being a dad, you're you're gonna believe them, right? If you don't have the surety that I'm so stoked that for five years you're leading a life where you can go, I got up, I can do this, okay? And I want to I open the floor for questions because if you don't have questions, I'm going to allow 10 minutes of questions from myself to our panel. We're going to have the most beautiful lunch. I know that there's some of you that haven't RSVP'd for Halal Friendly. We've got a vegetarian option available, the most delicious food that Elisma and Idlewild has prepared for us. There's also loads of goodie bags. So before we even get there, I want to just, just stay here and appreciate our panel. Are there any questions from the audience? Okay, we've got questions. So I'm going to rush to you. Melinda, Okay, so I'm going to start here. And you can address it to anyone, right? All right, here we go. You can say your name and then you ask your question. Here we go. My name is Garabo from the Parenting Team. Um, firstly, thank you so much for, for sharing your stories. I think I, I, I really enjoy working for Parenting because it's a platform to yeah. share stories and that's where we draw inspiration and purpose and meaning. Well, thank so thank you very much. Um, my, my question is to, to, to Zane. Um, I think you, you, you spoke of something very important about you know, the, for this generation of fathers that don't really know what their purpose in this lifetime is. How can we as women, as mothers, help our husbands and our partners to reinforce their role in, in the household and in society? Because I think it's a very, a very important thing that we should be able to do. Thank you for the question. Sorry, I was doing my kegels, so I missed the first part. Yeah. Is it meant to hurt your back, though? No? That's too much. Is it too much? I'm sorry. I thought as much. Anyway, moving on. Um, Notice how I'm running away. I'm going further and where I don't know why I'm running away from the stage. Sorry, Zane. I should actually yeah. come closer. Well yeah. done. 
what I've discovered, and I've been to all nine provinces, we've spoken to over half a million men in, in, in the families, I should say, in the work that we do. I've discovered that men are confused because uh, no one is speaking to them about the gender equality process that government is implementing. For example, government has a ministry for women, but they don't have one for men. It doesn't make sense. So men aren't too sure anymore now, do they open the car door for the lady or <laughs> can she pay for the bill or must I still pay for the bill or, or what? And so there's this confusion happening and would you believe ever since uh, this has happened the gender-based violence has increased. Yeah. So men are now acting out in a certain way that uh, is not a positive at all because they're in this flux, they're in this confusion. They used to bring home the bacon ten years ago, five years ago. What I see now, I see a man and a woman walk into a bus, a train and a taxi and the woman getting into the bus, the train, and the taxi. And she goes to work, and the men go home and, and look after and become the caregivers and the housekeepers and so on. And this is causing this confusion. So I tell women um, that this should not diminish because, you know, I have this big fight when I say that part of feminism I'm against. Uh. Just part of it, because there's a part of it that says you can do everything a man can do. And you're not designed to do everything a man can do. You're designed to do everything a man can't do. Amen. You're equal in, in thinking, but different in purpose. And people forget that in marriage and that kind of stuff. And, 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 that. and so, so then women, uh, I tell them, if you want a happy marriage and a, and a, and a happy um, a life at home, don't be that woman. And I meet lots of them where I go up to the guy and I say, hi, what's your name? And she goes, oh, his name is John. Yeah, his name is John, yeah. <laughs> I'm going like, okay, John, where do you work? No, he works at Sasselberg, man. You know, he works there. So, John, can I get you a drink? Yeah, but don't get him Coke. He's most diabetic, man. Don't get him that. Sort. And poor John, he's just standing there with his hands in his pocket, defeated. And this is in public, so you can imagine what it's like at home. So, I always tell women, never mix the fact that you are no more economically advanced than your husband just because you earn more money than him, or, or like me. I'm an actor by profession. My wife earns more money than me. You see, South African actors are not millionaires like Hollywood actors. No, no, we get paid weekly, very weekly. <laughs> and, and so my wife is the marketing manager of the biggest shopping center just in the country, just up the road, mainland. She's the marketing manager, so she earns a very good salary. Um, and so I, I, I had an issue about that. It affected my thinking. But never once did she suddenly swap roles and ask me why didn't I cook or why didn't I help the kids with maths because I'm bad with maths and that kind of stuff. She was still a wife to me and a mother to my children. That made me realize the issue lies with me. And, but I see very many women doing that, taking the, you know, you know, and being those domineering. And I always say, just give your man space to be a man. Whatever it means, I can't tell you what that means. For me, it's having the remote on a Saturday. That's it. I just want to... You can't tell me, I want to watch an action movie while I'm watching rugby and cricket at the same time. Don't argue, just bring me something to drink and eat. I, I, you know, that's being my, a man because in the rest of the week I must watch, come dine with me or say yes to the dress and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> so on Saturday I'm the man, I do that. So that's my advice, It's just give your man space, even if he's the maras, the thinnest guy in the whole of Centurion. But you tell your children, if your father comes home, he's going he's gonna to give you, you know, and the kids go, ooh, dad, you go, yeah, yeah, but still, you know. Just give him space to be a man, allow him, allow him. And there's, there's more I could say, but, but for me, it's not to confuse 
what you are supposed to do and what he's supposed to do and allowing him sometimes, even in his weakness, to do that. I hope that answers that question. Thank you. And I stopped doing my kegels now, so... Hi, I'm uh, Melinda. I'm going to ask the question, just because I heard a few of the different speakers today mention that uh, you need to put your phone down and pay some attention, and you need to put your phone down and spend some quality time, look your baby in the face. I'm not a mom, and not yet. For those of you who want to ask me, but I'm, I'm frightened of motherhood because of other moms. And I know that I spoke to my sister about it briefly, and I want to open the question now because I feel like there's a very big pressure around social media and this thing that you spend so much face time with and now all of a sudden have to put down and then value these two little bookies that you know not in store. How did you actually go about just managing the expectation and this completely far removed and disconnect um, over this disconnected perception of what, the, what motherhood looks like and what it actually feels like at home and how that is okay. And I want to ask the question to my sister first and then the rest of you can answer as well. I spend a lot of my time on social media. Um, I also have a web series with Living and Loving called 123 Parent where we um, have Mona Monyane, Nadia Birkes and Roseanne McKenzie all sharing their stories about parenting. And I'm very open and honest like Ilana said as well. My kids are on social media. I take the necessary precautions. I don't do any backgrounds that are, um, you know, uh, that can give away where we are. I don't check into places when I'm with them. Um, it's always close-up shots and it's always appropriate photos that I put on um, but they are a part of my life and I'm so grateful to God for those two kids because they changed me for the better and so they are part of my testimony and part of my story and that's why I love to share them and because I've learned a lot the only way I balance it is by my husband always used to tell me stop taking so many photos stop taking so many photos why are you taking photos I'm like I because I forget we forget and so I take the photos, but what I do when I'm with my kids is I take the photos and I put my phone away. I'll post later, I'll edit later, I'll make everything pretty later. Now I'm remembering this moment, I'm taking it in, and I'll do what I need to do later. And the whole pressure with, um, with moms on social media is, is hectic. And that's why I also started my web series, because I got mom shamed for posting my kids on social media. It's like bad and I followed all these moms who were packing lunches and pushing them into little stars and making smiley faces on the pancakes. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm not that kind of mother. Like, So I'm not like that. And I, I, I felt... <laughs> And I felt shamed, not, not even by just people shaming me verbally or literally, but simply just by comparing myself to these other moms. I felt shamed. I was shaming myself for not being good enough, not living up to the social mom um, status, the social media mom. And the only way I let go of that was allowing myself to go, this is not me. 
I'm not, I'm not that type of mom. I don't dress my kids in matching outfits. I don't press them out little stars for lunch. I don't, I'd let them watch TV for two hours on a Saturday morning because I need some time to myself. I do that. And I do not care what other people say or what other people do. And it took me a long time to practice that because it's something you need to practice. It's not something that just happens. And the moment I started putting out there who I was and what I'm okay with, the moment the pressure came off. And I started unfollowing a lot of people that made me feel bad about myself. And I started following people who actually inspired me and uplifted me and encouraged me. It's so true. I think just to add on to that, don't be, I mean, I spend a lot of time on social media as well, but don't be afraid to own your journey. Um, yeah, it's your journey. You don't need to be posting pictures every day. You don't need to be, I mean, you can post pictures of yourself, but, you know, if, if you are feeling inadequate about your parenting skills or whatever it may be, you don't need to share with the world. You don't need to, you know, put your baby out there. Um, yeah, just be kind to yourself. Mm. Be kind to yourself. And then the other thing as well about putting the phone down, your little one will make sure that you put that phone down. My child reminds me to be present. You know, the, the number, number of times we're home and then I'll put on Peppa Pig or whatever. This is probably a good two years ago when she started making me realize how present I need to be in the moment. I'd put on Peppa Pig and then I'd open my laptop and I'd be busy cooking and then she'll come and grab my hand. Mommy, dance with me. And I'm, you, you, you just forget. Put the stuff down. And she's, she even got to a point where she said, Mommy, put your phone down. Once they become verbal, mm. they will tell you to put that phone down. So don't be scared. Listen, yeah, good luck. <laughs> I'd like to share as a mom of older kids, um, I think we need to uh, understand that we actually need to move into the fifth industrial revolution. Moving away from social media, moving away from technology, yes, we need it. Our society needs it to be growing and be advancing but we need to stick, take a step back, and the fifth industrial revolution is actually human connection, which we've lost. And that is something that's really, really vital. So with my kids, that's, that's the reality for them. I get lost, completely lost with all of this, and they laugh at me because I cry. I said, give me a person with feelings and emotions and negativity, I'm very comfortable. Give me a computer and I cry, because I don't know what to do. But they've taught me and I've taught them to get back into that space. Mm. And it's about the connection. There's, a beautiful, there's two beautiful books by Dr. Meg Mika. Strong fathers, strong daughters, and strong mothers, strong sons. And that's really, really wonderful to look at raising your children with the awareness that there are challenges out there, but we can prevent them if we are aware of it. So yes, being mindful, being present is important. Engaging with them with what is... Where, what their reality is right now, looking at the five love languages that Dr. Gary Chapman talks about and figuring out what is my child's love language. And if that is important to my child, if it's something that's out of my comfort zone, I'm going to make sure that I'm stepping out to, make, to help my child feel loved and important because in that way they're returning it. And that is that fifth industrial revolution, that is the connection and the love. And you've got it within you. We all have it within us, but we are scared. We just need to embrace it from there. There's another book that you need to point your attention to. I choose to live life after losing Google uh, by Lasejo Zulu, which is on sale uh, right now, close to our Epimax stand. 
we have it right here. So I encourage you to get this book. It is a story of survival, how to get focus into the right direction as a mom, as a business owner, and then loss. What happens when you lose someone or something? And also, Zane, you did mention your book and the fact that you're gifting it, but I think that we should also support our fathers and we should spend the money and get it. And so it's called Zane Mia's Daddy Come Home and how we do our thing. I love, I love how you've answered Melinda's question. And I want to add to this before I hand over to Lily, who's asking the next question. <coughs> we were all somewhat terrified before children and we still are. And in life, your fears change or the things that you're uneasy about. But I've also recently, do you know that I only recently became scared? Ask my husband, I'm not a fearful person. And I had to tap into why it is fear and not just something that I'm uneasy about. And fear and confusion is not from God. Okay? If that friend makes you feel fearful, she is not the right friend for you. And if a situation is causing anxiety, you need to ask yourself, self, why am I scared of what I'm feeling right now? Because no one in this room, Melins, can feel what you're feeling. And you have got nothing to fear about. Nothing. Do you know what I use my phone for? I don't even know where it is. Okay? The only thing I use my phone for is, Shahana, when I'm on my flights traveling between Cape Town and Joburg, because we're a traveling family, I write down my children's milestones. So they're my successes, Right? Things like, Essie today connected the TV with the phone. Annabelle today said, mom instead of mommy. In her mind, she is now growing, so she doesn't say mommy, but they call me, hey, mom. Okay? So that's her milestone. That's what my phone is good for. And I'm in the privileged position, and I want to acknowledge my team. Handru is my digital manager. Usually, when there's posts online, it's because I've briefed it into him via voice note so that I don't have to be on social media. So there's ways around those things, okay? So may your phone do exactly what it was made for to call someone, okay? You call me. Call me. Ilana, thank you. So like Ilana mentioned so loudly to everybody, I am Arnold's third wife. Um, he survived me for 18 years so far. And my journey was I have a 29-year-old stepson. I've got an adoptive son that's now 19. I got him literally a just two months before his sixth birthday, and his mom died a month after his, his sixth birthday. And we've got two kids of our own, and we also have a lot, Lamiki, you know, I, I know that surprise. And the reality is, is that I'm so grateful that people like Ilana can create voices and stories, because my 18-year journey has been very lonely, being judged. When my adoptive son was diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, guys, let me just tell you, it's real. It's real. Zane, the work that you're doing is so impactful because 60% of a father or a fatherly figure impacts a child's emotional development. Mom, sorry, we're only 40%, but our nurturing is critical. And if we don't nurture them, they become monsters. And let me tell you, I had a newborn baby with a son going into his tweens, and people thought I was weird. And they judge. Oh, it, it's a lonely, lonely road. So thank you for every single one for sharing your story because... You know what, it, it, we can't all relate, but, but man, let me tell you, when you're in that lonely space and you don't know, you remember. And because you're creating voices for people, people don't feel alone. And that's the bottom line. Parenting is not for the faint-hearted, and it changes every single day. I have four kids with four different personalities, but they all just want to be loved.
Lily, I'm so glad you didn't say four kids from four different men, okay? Because when you, when you, no, I'm kidding. You're so awesome, Lily. We've got Shahana Mia's mommy. Hello. <laughs> uh, I, I want to comment before I ask the question. My comment, I want to commend all of you, each one of you, each one of us are miracles. And you guys with your stories have actually really proven that miraculous journey. Shahana, my gemstone. I, I believe that um, the question I'm going to ask is based on where I am as a granny and a proud, mo proud mother. My question is, what is it that you borrow from the past as you lend to the future? Because I believe that there is a lot as we're looking at the industrial revolutions and we're looking at technology and what Shahana said about the human contact. I think it's so important that we realize that right from the time that the seed is planted and the fetus is actually created, there is a lot that we can take right back there which we're going to pass on into the future. I also want to commend Liz and Denise because as I was listening to their talk, I think what we're talking about today is relationship building. And I do a lot of marital counseling and a lot of organizational behavior, holistic health practices. And a lot of the tips that were given for babies, I'm going to actually take back into the marital counseling. So my question, what do you borrow from the past and lend to the future? Values. That comes to mind. Mommy, I think um, the image I have is how you passionately were there for us throughout your marriage, through the trials, through the successes, and guided us. And yes, there were times when we were not on track, but the value system that you held gave us such a grounding and really connected us to the spiritual connection with our Creator that we knew deep inside. I knew deep inside who I was. I just lost myself. And I needed to reconnect with certain emotions, with understanding what my role was, why I was probably tested the way I was, why I closed my eyes to so many things that you and Nani had shared with me and asked me to open my eyes and look and see. And I guess that was my, my journey. But it's this value system and embracing the fact that we are real and we are coming from a space of authenticity, of knowing that there's a vision out there for us, there's a plan out there for us. And it's if we take it and walk with it, knowing that we will create something more purposeful for our lives. We can ask for forgiveness for the challenges and for the mistakes that we've made. Yes, there's regrets, but I think that's held me strongly. And I know my children. I'm, I feel so grateful to have three human beings who are striving to be as authentic, as, as real, as humble, and as significant as they are in their lives. 
And many times I watch them and I know it's because I was that kind of teenager, because you were that kind of mom to me, and I've just instinctively become that kind of mom to my children. So despite them having experienced parents who are now living apart and they have to move every week, they know who they are and they know the value system that upholds them and they know that they're going to return to their Creator. Each of us needs to return and answer, they've been entrusted to me and all I need to do is just make sure that I can be the best that I can be. Khalil Gibran says, you know, they come through us and he says we house their bodies, not their souls. And if I can take that with me and hold it strong, it's something I know I got from you. Thank you. Can I add something to that? I think the biggest thing, looking back um, at your parents and what they've done for you, and it's so beautiful that you acknowledge your mom for all the good that she's done, because there are so many people, and I used to be like that, who said, I will never do what my mom did. I'm never going to do that thing. I promise I will not ever do that to my child because my mom did that or my dad did that. And we make these inner vows to not be like that. And because that is where our focus lies, I will not, I shall not do that. I will not be that. I will not say that. Those are the thing that um, gets all our attention. Instead of going, my mom made many mistakes. My dad made many mistakes but he had such a sense of humor. I hope to teach my children that sense of humor. Or my mom made the best food. I hope I can, ma I can make the best food. My mom was so, so encouraging. I hope that I can be as encouraging. Instead of making these inner vows, saying what we will not be and will not do, rather look at what was good, take that and give that to the next generation. I am so proud of each and every person in this room who's asking questions and who has a thought process around what do we do next. Our minds are being challenged and it's awesome. I think it's so, so, so beautiful. What I didn't tell you, beautiful speakers of mine, is that we are recording this as a podcast as we speak. So it will be live and available on our Jackpot platform together with Jacaranda FM and Baby Brunch, like all our other meaningful podcasts. Also, your conversations has gotten Baby Brunch, the parenting series, this podcast, to the number one podcast in the country. So thank you for sharing always. Our speakers are going to be here and they're going to have lunch and I want us to keep chatting and to keep this conversation going and to keep thinking. So thank you for each question in the room because I am going to conclude so that I can feed your tummies because the food is ready. But what I wanna do is together with this question, I want a summary. Zane, you such a, a plethora of knowledge. I'm going to ask each of you to give a summary, but I have a question and I'm going to keep her anonymous only because we have mommies here that are excited and happy and others are happy about the goodie bag. I had a granny approach me saying, I want gifts. You must give me gifts. So I said, sure, we'll give you gifts also. So we've got people with different feelings here today. And this is a feeling that I want to share and I want our panel to comment and then to conclude. She says, Ilana, how do I get back into loving myself? While I am going through a breakup, 
So she's using continuous tense. She hasn't broken up yet. She says, I'm still going through a breakup. Being pregnant and having to prepare to be a single parent while I'm pregnant. I need us to encourage this mommy today because I can say you're not alone. But that's not the only thing I want you to take home today. Okay? Just know that we've all been pregnant here. Raise your hand. Show her quickly. Who of us has been pregnant once? Arnie raised his hands as a guy because he feels he's been pregnant yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Zane can kegel, Lord, help us. <laughs> we've been pregnant, okay? <laughs> so other than the fact that she is not alone, what do we want her to take home with her? Lesejo is burning to answer this question. My sister wants to jump out of it. That's Lechesejo wanting to jump out of her skin. Did you see how subtle she does it? So yeah, like, she's jumping. I can say I absolutely understand her because I've been through a breakup, even though mine was a different kind of breakup. Wow, Lesejo. Um, one of the life lessons that I actually shared in, in my book is that there is always someone out there that has gone before you. You're never alone. As someone who, I, I don't use the word widow, I, I don't relate to the word widow, um, I've loved and lost, and we all love and loss in different ways in life. I reached out to other women who loved and lost. Some actually made themselves available to me. And, you know, that platform of sharing our pain our sadness, um, in a way, in a very funny way, strengthens you. Um, I found the strength from, and I'll share a little bit about my story, another lady who also lost her husband on Kilimanjaro nine months before I lost mine. And she's an American lady who, till today, three years later, I still haven't met, but we still connect on WhatsApp. There's always somebody out there that has gone through what you have. That's the first thing I wanted to share. The second thing I wanted to share is that there came a point after I went through my loss when I was in my deepest, darkest places, not knowing how to get up and... All I knew was, you know, get up and bath yourself, and that was it. I didn't know, you know, how to get up and continue living. Um, I came to the realization that if I'm not well, my child won't be well. So that's when I took a step back, looked at my situation, and started putting things into place to assist me. Because you are really never alone. There's always a friend, there's always a, 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 an auntie, a granny, a sister, a brother, somebody out there that will lend a hand. But very often we are too... I don't know what word to use, but we, we never really want to reach out because we don't want people to look at us and think that we are weak. When people actually put their hand out, grab it, make use of it. Those are the people that will help to lift you up. So with that being said, don't be afraid to, take, to put yourself first because if you are well, the people around you would, will be well. I put my child into preschool at a year and a half. I got a full-time nanny, Ntlantla, sitting right there. She's actually selling the books today. Because I sat there and I said, I can't be superwoman. I'm not superwoman. 
I need that break. I need to take that holiday for myself, to center myself. So you're not alone, mom. You're not alone. There are others that have gone before you. There are others that are reaching out to you. If they're not reaching out, you reach out. Go find them. My comment to this mum would be there's an invisible web over each and every one of us. And when we are strong, we rejoice and we celebrate. But when we are weak, remember that we can lift each other up. We just need to allow ourselves to lift each other up. So it's okay not to be okay. And many of us are there. We just don't show it. And uh, the fact that you've mentioned this is, takes a lot of bravery and courage to state that. And it's okay. Allow yourself to heal with ease within time. And for me, what assisted me a lot is my connection to the parent center because I took the focus off myself. And my first counseling client was a client with the very same circumstances that I had. And it was hard to keep those tears away because here I am as the professional supporting somebody else, but I was actually healing myself. And one step at a time, that helped. So take it, take it in your stride, but it's okay, reach out there. That web is there, you're not alone. And just connect to whatever organization, whatever institute, whichever family member, and connect to your creator. But he knows why, and you have the strength, you have it within you to make a difference. Okay, from, from a, a, a man, the male perspective, Whoever you are, I certainly hope that you don't go through your separation, firstly. Um, because, as I said in my opening um, speech, the women are already going through so much uh, alone in South Africa. Um, I have three sisters who are single mums. And I know, I see every week I get a phone call for help or assistance or whatever. And it's tough. It's tough being a single mother trying to raise a kid on your own. It's very tough. Um, so I certainly hope that you don't go through that. Um, the second part of, and thank you for what, you, what you, the ladies have said before, and I know um, Melissa's gonna just end it off strong. Um, also to answer mum's question that you had. Um, so what you wanna avoid is carrying on the cycle that some of us are caught in. We carry stuff from our great-grandparents in our bloodline, in our iniquities, in our, what we learned, and what we accept, what we allow. The three ways we allow things to continue in our lives. And so, I always tell people, let the cycle end with you. So never let your kids ever have suicidal thoughts. Because your dad did it, you felt it, you cut that off. That's right, you cut it off. The cycle ends with you. And if you do go through your separation, ma'am, and I hope you don't, um, let it not pass on to your child. Cut that off. Cut it off immediately. S speak it into the universe. Say it will not, it will not continue. Because my Bible teaches me the sins of the father are visited to the children, to the third and the fourth generation. So the things we do today not only affect our children, but our children's children's children's. We die over here, our children's children. 
We are like carbon paper. You know carbon paper? You put it in between two pages. You write on this one. You may not even look. You may not even mean to write something. But when you go look at that other page, it's also written there. Whether you meant to do it or not. And whether we mean to do stuff in our lives as parents, inevitably, somehow, we carry it over to the next generation. And it's our job, mum, to avoid that, to not pass over the negative. I was at the birth of all three of my kids, and the first thing I did when I, I said to the doctors, don't wash the child for the first hour. I didn't know, but I just said, before you wash the child, can you give the child to me? And I spoke over the child, and I dedicated the child right back to God, and I said, Father, let this child not inherit any of mine or Megan's negative. Thank goodness they look like their mother. That's the only good thing they carried over, you know. God listened, and I want to thank you for that. But I did that because I, you know, I, I didn't ever want, I know me. I don't want the kids to have my weaknesses and stuff. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, the, the, the definition of father, it means the founder of a lifestyle. Stichter van die levensweise. Motlami wa mogwa wa gutsela. Ungubani humzekelo wako. The person who teaches you, as um, Mrs. Gerst just said, 60% of our emotional and other imprints, that it comes from dad. So he becomes the founder of a lifestyle. The lifestyle we enjoy today is because of that guy. Whether he was in your life or not, he still affects you. And so that's why I'm hoping you don't separate because he has such a, la a large important role to play in that child's development now while you're pregnant and in future and so i hope the lifestyle that that child experiences would be one of a loving family doesn't have to be perfect remember we all said it perfect doesn't happen but at least a loving and in a positive atmosphere and i speak too much so thank you, Melissa, for finishing. I think the one piece of advice I would give is to allow yourself to expand, no pun intended. But if you try to keep it together all by yourself and you become hard, there's going to be a point where you shatter. And when you shatter, so many people around you are going to be affected by it. You are going to be affected by it. Your child is going to be affected by it. But if you allow yourself to expand with the grief, to feel what you need to feel, to come to terms with all the emotions you are experiencing, the moment you allow yourself to expand and it opens up the light that God has put inside of you, the purpose, your calling, everything can come to fruition the moment you allow yourself to feel what you feel in that moment because when you honor those feelings, when you, um, when you notice them, that moment you are honoring who you are and you are validating yourself as a person. It is important for you to expand to feel what you need to feel so that the light that God has placed inside of you can shine through you and other people will see it and you will be able to see me too. I've been there. Let me shine, let me shine my light on you while you are still struggling to expand. Thanks a lot. <laughs> ladies and ladies, fathers, parents, mothers-to-be, this is Parents and Baby Brunch supported by Fed Health.
also supported by Epimax and Jacaranda FM. Let's give our panel a round of applause. They're amazing. Let's give it up for Zeng Mias. Let's give it up for Shahana Mia. 